Hello, and welcome to Reptrace Screenings, episode 24. I'm your host, Em, and with me are my regular co-hosts, Jackson. Hello. And Destiny. Ahoy, hoy. It's movie time! Movies! Uh, we all watched the exact same movie, uh, but before we talk about that, Jackson, you watched another movie that you definitely should talk about. Uh, yeah, uh, which one? <laughs> the one that we all didn't watch. Which one? Oh, I, 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 I meant Michael Clayton. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, because there's two. There's two in this bucket, uh, but yeah, I watched my- I don't even remember the other one. I watched Police Story. That's the one we all watched. Oh, I thought you meant that we watched- We all watched the movie club movie. <laughs> no. <laughs> I also was very thrown was off like, by that, wait, so we all, don't that's feel the, bad. That's the gimmick of the podcast. Um, I wasn't keeping up. Uh, yes, I, I watched Michael Clayton, the 2007 Tony Gilroy Sad Men in Suits movie. Oh, uh, it's so fucking good about it, too. <laughs> it is chef's kiss. When you want a man to be sad in a suit uh, and just kind of act at you for uh, two hours, uh, George Clooney nails it in that movie. It's incredible. Um I loved it. I loved it. I, I assume most people have seen it. It's basically since you have known me, you've been telling me to watch that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's the most abnormal mapping core movie possible. <laughs> Could not have been more true. Um, that movie is excellent. Uh, shout out to Tilda Swinton for being incredible in it. Just the most amazing portrayal of what I imagine executives to be like. Yeah. She just, fucking sucks. Just one of the worst people, just so pitiable and contemptible in how she uh, does the worst things you can do as a person in that movie. Um, it's great. It's great. I don't have, like, huge, big, like, here's what this movie's about takes, because it's very self-evident and obvious, right? It's a very nice one of those movies. Uh, Jaws Clooney's good. Uh, I enjoyed watching it. Uh, it ends well. It's just a great time. Yeah. Uh, I like the movie a lot. I should revisit it. I haven't seen it in like 10 years. I think I have the Blu-ray kicking around somewhere, so maybe I'll throw that on and see if Destiny likes it. Oh, have you never watched it, Destiny, as well? I've never seen it. I don't, I don't know how I missed it. I, it has a lot of elements of things that I enjoy. Tilda Swinton, Mr. Clooney. Yeah, I don't... I assume you won't like it as much as me and M, just because I think it's the most R-taste movie ever. Um, but uh, I still think you'll enjoy it, because it's good. But we have it's so laser focused for the bullshit we like. That's yes. true, but eh, absolutely, I can appreciate it. I'm sure. Yes. Uh, and then all three of us watch Police Story um, because uh, I didn't talk about uh, the Criterion Channel, right? You get it. It's nice. It's worth your money. They apparently just give you coupons that I had not been noticing. I thought they were like discount codes for the store but no they were just ten dollar coupons and i'd stacked up three of them over the course of the year and spent them all on getting police story for basically like as shipping i paid like ten dollars for it uh police story one and two and so me and dustin watched police story and then i was like jackson you have to watch police story so we watched police story jackie chan's 1985 i think uh cinematic masterpiece yes uh of of comedy and drama and action it's, oh, it's incredible. So, it's almost perfect. It's it's almost a perfect movie. I, I loved it so much. Uh, yeah, I, you know, A Police Story is a, a classic. Uh, uh, it's interesting to me going through this, like, how much his stardom just, like, leaps off of that movie. Like, he's singing, he's doing comedy, he's doing action, he, like, the drama works. Like, he's just a movie star. The stunts. Yeah, uh, I, 
I knew, like, you know, because I, I know of Jackie Chan movies, right? I haven't seen that many, or any, I think I've only, like, seen, like, a, you know, a couple of Hollywood ones, like, Rush Hour, mm-hmm. what have you. So going back, watching this, I knew about, like, how cool the stunts were, but I wasn't prepared for the movie to begin with an entire town being destroyed and, uh, like, cars jumping everywhere. Uh, yes. The, the yeah, stunts and intense. budget was more expansive than I could have ever imagined. <laughs> Yeah, they just they just uh, eat those cars down the hill, uh, and it's incredible. Yeah, he holds onto the bus with the with the umbrella. Oh, yes. Oh, just his feet on the road like that. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. It's it starts really strong, and then like the actual bulk of the movie and the character works really good. Um, yeah, uh, I was very surprised by the hilarity of it. Like when he gets. Uh, <laughs> A cake in the face because his girlfriend thinks that she's she's being cheated on, and uh, then she just kind of pulls the cake out of nowhere and hits him in the face again. He gets hit with the, he gets hit with the cake, and then because uh, it says it's she's thrown a surprise birthday party for him, but he comes home with like this girl that he's protecting, um, and she's like, "Oh, you brought another girl home, cake in the face." Then he gets hit in the face with another cake with like his friend, who's like, "Why'd your girlfriend walk out on you?" Type thing. Then he goes to shower, and there's a whole other extended comedy situation where the girlfriend comes back and is listening to him ins- uh, him insult her. And then uh, after he walks in the shower, immediately cake in the face again. It's good. The fundamentals uh, work. Yes. Yes. It is beautiful. It was art. And then that uh, last yeah. stunt where he goes down on the lights and falls down through all the glass in that mall. Yeah, uh, I've obviously uh, seen that. That's like the, one of them. I think that's the most famous shot in the movie. Yes, just, that or the uh, hanging off the bus. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just want to know how many times he almost died. Uh, infinite times. <laughs> I'm sure it's well documented. I remember hearing him talk about like some of the crazy head injuries he's gotten over the years, and I'm just like, how are you alive, sir? <laughs> I think he only had one attempt for that um, sliding down the thing stunt. He just had to do it because the the like looking at the making of stuff, uh, the mall th- stuff was all like really tense because they had to reopen, like clean and reopen the mall the next morning. <gasps> God, that is wild. So- incredible shooting schedule on the mall situation <laughs> yeah uh also they got like four different angles of him sliding down and they show you all four because like oh, they, got they paid for the coverage damn it we're gonna show it <laughs> um i feel like uh, christopher nolan should have done that when the uh truck flipped over in the dark night because in, the, in yes. the making of he's like oh look at all the angles i got but the movie it's just the one he should have showed yeah. that six times yeah yes, why not absolutely. it, it would have made it a better film <laughs> if you pay for the practical effect you should show it off yeah it's a movie we want to see all the angles i was also not prepared for how much uh jackie chan in that movie is the dumbest man who's ever lived um like the entire plot centering around on him like getting owned in a court case because he's so dumb is amazing (laughs) i expected all the like stunts and then the physical comedy makes more sense but uh i was really surprised and warned by how good just the writing was in general yeah Uh, excellent yeah. movie. Glad you, you you said you have to watch it, and you're right. Yeah. Uh, that's it. I don't think I've re- watched anything else. I watched Ghost in the Shell 2017, but I talked about that on Great Gundam Project. It'll be out on Wednesday. Please enjoy that. It's a free episode, so you can just listen to that even if you don't uh, pledge to the Patreon. So uh, that's a terrible movie. Uh, Jackson, confirm, has seen it. So yeah, it is. It is awful. 
Uh, so let's get into our movie club movie uh, this month, week thing. Uh, we watched His Motorbike Her Island, which is a 1986 movie uh, directed by Nobuhiko Obayashi, uh, which is based on a novel by Yoshio Karaoka. Um, you know, and it is a story of Ko, who is a young man who rides a motorcycle and does like deliveries but mostly of like very important documents it seems like uh and he just wants to ride his bike on the open road because uh he wants to get out from a girlfriend who is stifling him um after you know she wanted to like settle down and his brother got mad or her brother got mad that he slept with her and it was all a situation so he goes out in the countryside and meets a girl uh named uh mio and she uh is like carefree spirit who lives on an island and she just loves life and instantly attaches to him and the dream of riding a motorcycle as like a romantic notion and they have a romance that is up and down over the course of a year and there's a lot of motorcycles happening and that's kind of the movie uh the movie is uh starts in like reduced four three like it only fills even like uh like a fraction of the screen uh and then slowly expands over the first couple minutes it's often in black and white and then it will like erupt into color sometimes parts of the scene are in color and as co narrates in the movie uh all i always dream in monochrome uh which would suggest that the things that are in black and white are not true and the things in a color are true but uh there's enough evidence in the movie that that is not a reasonable metric to use it is just him talking some shit <laughs> yes uh it is extremely not like a movie to be solved in that way yeah yeah no there's no real di- differentiation it's not it's almost like it kind of put me in the mind of stalker in the way that it uses color where at first you, you're like this means something very specific and then it kind of falls away mm-hmm. <clears throat> even though i think the color is more intentional in stalker I think it's pretty intentional here. I don't think it's meant for... I think Stalker, like, uses it for something in the way this movie is, like, more using it aesthetically often, but... Yeah, I guess uh, that's what I mean. Like, it's less yeah. about something and more just sort of... Kind of in and out like a dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, the thing that must be said, uh, and we will move on quickly because Jackson hasn't seen it, but this is a movie about James from Twin Peaks, just straight <laughs> okay. up. Um, and it's very funny, uh, because Twin Peaks is like 90, right? 91? Uh, late 80s, early 90s. Okay, yes. Um, and is also evoking like this mid-century Americana in a lot of what it's pulling from. And they're both like, you know, riffing on the same thing in like a let's blow this up and do something fun with it because we're experimental filmmakers kind of way. Uh, the thing that's really funny to me is watching this. It is very obvious why Twin Peaks blew up in Japan, especially given the, the like laser focus on transposing mid-century American ideas into like, you know, winding down of the bubble economy in Japan, like everyone looking back into like this idea of the open road and motorcycles that, you know, fifties Japan does not have. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. It's extremely on that bullshit all the time. Yes. I, I, Cause I was watching this movie. I was like, I don't think I've ever seen an, a live action eighties Japanese movie. Um, because just the like aesthetic and like color choices and the way everyone dresses, I'm like, this is so different from what I think of when I think of like 
you know, not period Japanese film. And I realized I don't think I've seen anything from this decade ever in my life. It's it just like drops off the face of the earth and gets like the end of the sixties. Yes. Uh, maybe there's like a cool seventies movie in there. Um, yeah. And I bounce back in the nineties with yeah. like uh, Mike and, uh, and uh, beat Takeshi and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I assume that's quite a lot of people. Um, yeah. I feel like the eighties Japan is not like it'd be it's the same way that, you know, when you're going through French movies, everything drops off after nineteen sixty-nine. Just nothing for twenty years. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, which is just a weird part of like being a movie person. The gaps you have in countries, yes. entire like national character as represented in film. Yeah, That's like true. what picks up on like the international taste. Uh, yeah, is very strange. Um, so how did everyone find this movie? I, I really liked, liked it. it. Yeah. Um, actually, because I feel like I don't have a big like hot take or anything um because i don't th- i just don't think it's that kind of movie but i really enjoyed the act of watching it um it may be wistful for i am not a hot guy in the 80s in a, on a motorbike with a with, like secret romance in japan and i wish i was you know like we'd all been there yeah you could you could just be an idiot asshole and still get the girl like it's really easy yeah this guy God. sucks and he gets the best girl in the world he sucks so much, but he's like a secret romantic in his heart, um, <clears throat> and he like lives out this incredible romance and did it all end badly, and who knows, and you know, whatever, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, extremely. <laughs> and like, so I would love that. I'm very stressed. He's not stressed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but yes, apart from just like really enjoying the aesthetics and um, being wistful for this like very unreal life that. Uh, uh, as I assume, like it's not like trying to be a, uh, you know, it's not a here's here's what life was like in Japan in the eighties. Like it's not a realistic drama. It's a story about uh, nostalgia, nostalgia for uh, this like American thing um, and dreams and everything as he lives out his own movie. Like I feel uh, the way the movie starts, like it doesn't really give you backstory so much as it gives you like snippets of what could be just like cut out of other movies. <laughs> Um, yes everyone is very of a type deliberately uh yeah i think a lot about the the scene where he's like in the bar for the first time and you're like oh in another movie these could have all been characters that we've like known and had a history with and we know the exact deal with him and this gang question mark um (laughs) and like you get pictures of that but it definitely like relies on you having seen a lot of movies and knowing what these mean and what knowing what these characters are to make all those leaps yourself yeah, he also, like, opens the first, like, especially, like, the first 30 minutes, but it intrudes over, over a lot of the movie, just, like, doing the breathless thing. There's a bunch of, like, edits that exist only to be stylistic, like, jump cuts, and oftentimes they only jump in, like, brief seconds. Like, it's not, like, doing anything with it. Uh There's one bit, though, that, like, is really good where uh Ko and Mio are having an argument, and she's, like stealing his bike when she doesn't have a license and he's being very overprotective and shitty about it and he like in the jump cut he swings to like slap her and it's all like they're standing there and then he's hit her and she's falling over and it's an incredible jump cut yes uh and then she jumps down and like attacks him and what i can only describe is like an anime montage of someone being attacked by a girl who can't hurt you (laughs) because she's like slapping him and then she's doing the like fist pound thing and it's all in like jump cuts like she's a literal cartoon character moving between actions it's really wild yeah uh, that seems excellent uh yeah 
Uh, you uh, tweeted uh, the other day as you were watching this movie that we have managed somehow <laughs> to blunder into covering bike jousting uh, twice, which is twice more than almost any other movie podcast has probably ever talked about <laughs> bike jousting. What episode number is this? What are we at? Uh, 24. 24. Uh, that is exactly one twelfth of the movies that we have covered have bike jousting wow. in them. <laughs> Which is not true. We've got to do uh, Mission Impossible 2 one of these days. Yeah, um, we can bump this up. Three yeah. movies about bike jousting. Um, that one's not as good as, uh, well, either Talk or his motorbiker island. The only time these movies have ever been compared. <laughs> I was trying to get try to get an idea of how well this movie did in Japan, and I couldn't find that out. Did anybody find that out? I, I don't know um, specifics, but my sense is that uh, Abayashi is like a quietly successful cult filmmaker in Japan. I know that like pe- actors won awards in this movie. It definitely didn't go completely uh, unnoticed. Okay, because um, I feel like it's a movie that either like was capturing a lot of cultural trends or started a bunch of cultural trends. It's a very like stylish looking film, and everybody's very stylishly dressed. And yeah, no, I was just wondering if it was capturing a trend or if it started a trend or what but yeah i i assume i assume not but it's hard to tell like it definitely feels like just in comparison to like some of the stuff in like that would come into american cinema it definitely feels like it is tackling a trend in the world of like the 50s nostalgia of the late 80s early 90s yeah yeah Yeah, definitely i just wanted to know um, where it was on that scale of things yeah um but it also has like the stamps that cannot be denied of Age Japan, like the very cool small bar where all the music students hang out and play instruments every night that I would love to just live in, please. Thank Me you. Me too. Where people are just writing music and playing it and yes. uh, giving it to people to play and oh, just so cool. His like shitty dive apartment where just like in monsoon season, they just have the window open and it's pouring rain for months on end. Fucking great. I wish I could be naked in bed playing my guitar while uh, the monsters <laughs> yeah. are playing outside uh, yes. in the world's shittiest apartment, but I look super cool, so it's fine. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All you got, all you got, is a, a motorcycle magazine and a motorcycle toy and a guitar, and that's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, and I your def- Chopin records. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the guy. Right. <laughs> God. Yeah. Because uh, you're such a romantic. I definitely got the sense that this is like a really um, interesting and cool adaptation because it's it's based on a novel. It says I don't know any of the specifics about the novel, um, but I like just going back to like what I said earlier about the way that everything like doesn't give specifics. You can really tell there's like a framework of like. I would not be surprised if the novel goes into all the like much like Stalker, right? Like has everything there, and the movie knows it can just rely on images and moments. Um, yeah, that makes sense really to me. Bring things through. Yeah. I think that's handled really well. Yeah. Also, the narrator gets to do a lot of heavy lifting and reframing scenes and setting up, like, the juxtaposition of co-acting, like, like, just a dumb boy as the narrator's like, this was the summer I learned to live and love. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never forget the journeys we took. When I was on that motorbike, I was her, and she was me, and I was the motorbike and the island. And I'm like, yeah, uh-huh, nodding, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what are the bits we want to hit? 
Um, let's see. I guess we should talk a bit about the ending where she nebulously gets in a crash because Destiny was talking to me about it. And we had, I feel like we had different reads on the ending. It doesn't matter. It is left ambiguous on purpose, obviously. Yeah. But there's, there's a scene where like, they split up on a rainy day and they're supposed to meet up. And then he goes into the restaurant where they're supposed to meet and he's waiting for her. And she was probably going to get there before him because she's a better rider than he is. And she's not there. And some guys come in and talk about a crash. And then he sees the crash in his mind's eye. And as he goes out to check and see if she did crash, she rides up. And, but the color has changed. And then it color changes again where they are taking a picture in a field. But it seems like that could have been from anywhere because uh, it feels very out of time. And uh, it ends on them taking a picture together and you were left to, did she die in the crash or is she there? There's also the, he keeps saying something about like, she comes in and out in summers. And so she, Mm -hmm. this, like, she'll always be the summer of my heart or I don't know what he says. He says some stuff like that. So I just was under the impression that she died. (laughs) And like, when he thinks back on being young and thinks back on summer, like she's, the main oh there's the rice cooker <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, making rice while we are it'll stop beeping very soon sorry i cannot edit that out because <laughs> we talked over it i hope you uh, enjoy the fact that you know you're getting rice though thank you for listening to share <laughs> okay yeah. so we can, we can back to the podcast now i just think you were saying before the i rice was just saying was i thought she perhaps died mm-hmm. just because of the way that it was shot and how uh, it was in black and white when she came back, and then the part with the uh, crash was in color, and I don't know, I just... And then, like, the way they tried to foreshadow it earlier in the film, like, she's yeah. too crazy about motorbikes, she's gonna die, and just how movies treat women, I'm like, no, there's no way she lived. I like the idea that she lived because they foreshadowed it so hard. Like these guys look at this girl who's incredibly good at driving motorcycles and go, ah, she's doomed. She all prodigies are doomed to die young. And that's just not what the experience is. Like she exists. She's going to drift in and out of his memory. They probably will eventually just like drift apart because all she cares more about motorcycles than she does about Ko. Uh, and she's always going to go back to her island because the island is her home and she has a lot of affection for it. And he's going to have to come get her if he wants to see her. And that's just the way it is. Like, there's a weird mythic quality around Mia where she is, like, like she lives on this very small island that is, like, very traditional. And during the Obon Festival, they sing the Pilgrim Song, which is, like, uh, like as a celebration about the dead and about journeys and the end of journeys. And it's so, like, foreshadowed that, that like, she is a, like, someone who will exist in a moment and then disappear. I like the idea that that, that is not the case. That will not be the case. She just exists forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I didn't like uh think of it as a 100% definitely she died thing. I always mm-hmm. took the like talking about whether she was going to die to be much more of a metaphor for like they come together through this love of biking, right? Um mm-hmm. but Ko is realizing that she's she's better at biking than him. She she will actually be freer than him eventually and this relationship's not going to last. Um so I took it more as like that side of things than like, oh, she definitely died. Uh, more just eventually they broke up and this was only a momentary thing. Because um, I think that's like what the fear is in the... That makes sense the more than everyone's saying, oh, she's definitely going to die literally in a truck crash to me. Um, but I like she could have just died and that was the tragedy there. But I see that as more as um more in line with Em's read, though I think 
Uh, it's slightly different as well, but I think the ambiguity um, is definitely part of the point. Yeah, yeah, the movie definitely doesn't uh, want you to make a decision either way, and it's purposely kind of left up in the air. But I don't know, just read enough of what happened previously. I couldn't help but think maybe she died. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's valid. Yeah. Um, the other thing I like in the, the way in which these two, like, like juxtapositions of her as like the doomed girl or like the semi-mythic character exist is uh her she comes into the bar that they all hung out at and uh fuyumi who the girl he was with before had sang a song that he wrote because they're all like you know they're all music students or whatever running around writing songs or whatever and he wrote this very sad song that she sings tearfully after he broke up with her before he rides off and it leaves her um and when he comes back like a year later uh she's with her, his friend and he has taken the song and turned it into like this really positive version uh that's just like a, a nice upbeat number and then miyoko comes in and sings the original version but in her own way that makes it like this like wistful like ethereal thing that is not about like just the the underscoring the sadness that the original version was and those three things like existing in harmony with each other is really good yeah i agree fumi's underrated she's great I'm glad the actress won an award because that that character <laughs> deserves so much more than what the movie gives her. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely like the sense of you know because the movie is about remembering things. You never see like old Co, but it's all about like the way things change over time, and you look back on them and dream about them and remember them. And uh, I do, I agree that like the way that all ties up in the subplot of the first girlfriend is um uh really good because uh she had a bad time she didn't know what movie she was in at the start <laughs> yes uh so f to her but um glad she's doing okay these days yeah, <laughs> yeah she just happy. quietly gets over being in this movie and just living her life yeah she's way more normal than the guy by the end <laughs> yes she's happier she's more settled she's gonna be all right uh, there's also that ridiculous bit where Ogawa drives around knocking off uh, mirrors. Very dangerous. <laughs> Very cool. Yes. And they just do uh, it because they're the bored, right? There's no like. Well, he no, he wants inspiration for a song he's writing. Oh right! <laughs> wow. Because he's very students. obnoxious. Yeah. Yes. Fucking students. Am I right? Students. <laughs> I miss it. I miss being a student. Yep. Uh, is there anything else? Um, no, not necessarily. A bit of a short one today. Uh, yeah, but I, yeah, I mean, really the, the movie is the movie is pretty ethereal, and not in a bad way. It's just the the you know the experiences in the watching. It is an incredible uh, movie to just like let wash over you. Yeah, mm -hmm. it is a very uh, well made experiential movie. <laughs> yeah. And unlike like Stalker, it does not lull me into a sense of like let the uh let the zone take me. I was like fully locked in, just enjoying this endless uh bouncing in and out of romance. I would have watched it happen for another six summers, probably. 
Oh, yep. I could have been on that island with Mia's dad for the rest of the yes. movie. <laughs> Mia's dad is a hero. Uh, him just like letting this guy come in and just like immediately warming to him. Uh, and then he goes up and sings the song and he's much worse at singing the song than the other guy, but just enthusiastically does it anyway. It's very good. And then next year when Ko goes back <laughs> for Oban, he's, he's singing again. Yeah. It's so good. I do love how everything on the island is like really good, right? Um, yes. The Mimi does such a great job because it because it's all from Ko's perspective and all about the metaphor of I'm on my motorbike and free life and looking looking back at the fifties. Um, when it actually in earnest introduces the island and it is just as like aspirational a way of life um, mm-hmm. as the the motorbike stuff. Like the two halves of the title work well, even though it's mostly Ko's movie, and I think. Um, that Mia herself is like, uh, you don't get much of her interiority because she's such an idea in Ko's mind. But when it like gets to betraying the island, it does a really good job of like showing both these ways of life as being good and interesting and valid on their own. Um, yeah. So I really like that. Yeah. Okay, I guess that will go to questions. Uh, if you have questions about this or any other movies, you can send them to podcast at neuralmapping.com. We have two questions. First one's from Ash Desert, uh, which is not necessarily about this movie, but, uh, I've watched Police Story, Last Hurrah for Chivalry, Hard Boiled, and Dan Reichert shooting enemies in the dick in slow motion over and over again in Stranglehold, and I want to keep this Hong Kong cinema train rolling. What are your favorite Hong Kong movies? Um, I have watched very little. If any, I, I, the answer might just be police story at this point. Like, I, that's a very big blind spot for me. So I will also listen intently to your recommendations. Oh, that's hard. I really like like a bunch of like classic like Shaw Brothers kung fu movies. Like, mm-hmm. you want to watch like Thirty Six Chamber or Five Element Ninjas or uh, is it Flying Guillotine? I think is what it's called. Just like good old crunchy ass kung fu movies uh that's that's my speed typically uh i think they're all really good does kung fu hustle count mm, you know what i'll count it oh he's great yeah i've seen i've seen uh two of um stephen chow's movies so i guess yeah uh, i mean if you watch hardboiled you should watch the killer because the killer's good so that's definitely a thing you should do people like election i haven't seen election um but I know that it is well regarded. Uh, what's the one that uh, The Departed's based on? Infernal Internal Affairs. F- Infernal Affairs, yes. So, definitely ones you can watch. Yeah, I was about to say, I kind of have a blind spot for this too. So, if you have any recommendations, send them in. Because we, yeah. we had a lot of fun with this. Oh, that's going to be very <laughs> loud. Every noise in the history of noises finds us when we're podcasting, I swear. Where's that coming from? A Somebody's truck car? or a motorcycle. Yeah. Um, they're living the free life. Yeah. <laughs> um, God. And then we have one more question uh, from Tron. Uh, let's go through and see. Um, let's see. What is your favorite looking shot or scene in this movie? Mm, I would Anytime it rained. Yes. Yeah, yes. uh, her doing like elaborate stretches out the window as it was raining is probably my favorite shot. Is he's just increasingly annoyed with her? <laughs> yes, uh, I think I like the stuff in the bar. Um, like when uh, she gets on the stage and sings that song. I like. I really like mm-hmm. all the bar stuff. As a stationary nerd, it really 
um, warmed my heart that they were just writing letters to each other on like motorcycle ads. I thought that was so cute. It's not necessarily like a shot in the movie, but it's just like a thing the characters do. And I'm just like, that's, that's wonderful. Oh, I think if, if, if it's a single shot, like, because I think the movie's like, like you get lost in it, right? It's not really like, that was a good shot type movie. Um, because it all blends together. But I do think in terms of like single jarring moments, uh, at the start, right? It starts in that compressed four, three, then it eventually becomes full four, three, uh, and because it's or it does it once so you think that's it if you don't know the movie you think oh it's now in 4-3 and now this is how the movie's gonna look and then as he's driving away like it suddenly becomes widescreen with no like it doesn't announce it really just it's widescreen now and it feels huge yes yeah, yeah it's good um i think i know the answer to this but i actually don't know jackson's answer have any of you ever rode a motorcycle or wanted to ride a motorcycle no they're nope. scary i'm so scared of them <laughs> No one. I haven't even driven a car, so. Oh I, yeah, there you go. I don't like driving cars. Like, I don't have my license because driving a car makes me so anxious that I don't enjoy it and I can't focus and I freak out. So. I love. I love a car. Cars are good. You do love a car. You love a, a pulsating beat while you drive. You like a speed. I I just don't care for it. <laughs> yeah, if I could just be an initial D, I'd be much <laughs> happier. You would. Speaking of things from Japan that you'd just like to be in instead of our lives. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then, final question. Why do you think Ko imagines himself as a prag- as pragmatic when he is romantic? Because he's a dumbass. Because he's a dumbass. <laughs> well, he's yeah. young. When you're young, you think you're more pragmatic than you actually are. <laughs> yes. Uh, you, while you live in your, like, romantically empty apartment with your crate of Chopin records you don't care that much about in your guitar. <laughs> my my apartment is empty and this is just i just do it for the ease of use so i can be out on the road there's no emotional attachment to any of this <laughs> he's dumb as hell yeah <laughs> uh that's it uh for questions again podcast at neuromapping.com send us emails we love them uh next time we are going to be watching orlando uh which is the sally porter movie from 1993 three uh you can find that on the criterion collection in you know north america or you know if you have a way to get into the criterion collection from overseas uh yahoo anime rules for everyone else of course and uh we'll be back talking about that i have not seen it destiny has seen it uh but i've seen it a couple of times but yeah it's it's been a couple of years I mean, I saw Billy Zane was in it, and I was very excited because Billy Zane to me is one of the underappreciated actors of the '90s. So, well, this is all about like I barely remember any other characters because Tilda's such a presence. But I hope uh, I hope it holds up. Okay. All right, that's it. Uh, Until then, you should go watch the movies. Don't expect to like them. You probably should, though. I mean, yeah, hopefully you like, like them. something you're watching. I saw somebody tweet the other day they hated movies, and I was like, what is your life? If, people- <laughs> <laughs> if that's what I think it is, we'll have to talk about this off the, the mic, because it might be Jackson's fault for a dumb shit post. One, that's incredible. Uh, I don't know what that. I don't know what that could be in reference to. I'll find out yeah, later. I don't uh, think two, it had anything to do with Jackson, but I'll explain it off the air. If you're just like okay. an Obayashi fan, and you've... Um, uh, listen to this podcast off the cuff. That's that. That was the tagline. That's a tagline. I don't don't expect to like them as a joke. That's not. I don't really think that. <laughs> you just responded to yeah. it like it was a real thing. <laughs> I, was like, I know. 
Oh, no, no. I just, somebody <laughs> said on Twitter they hated movies, and I was like, they were being serious. That's all. We're ending this podcast. We're leaving. Goodbye. Everyone say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.